0: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
1: Hey everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical Hello there. Hello. Hello. It's me, Josh. And this week's SYSK Select is a little episode from 2012 called Geysers, Nature's Innuendo. I thought of that title myself, and I still love it to this day. So I hope you enjoy it. It's one of those really cool earth sciences, biogeochemical ones that really get me jazzed. And I hope it gets you jazzed too. Let's all get jazzed.
0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's
1: How Stuff Works. Kabloom, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, this is Stuff You Should Know. Yeah. A couple of regular geysers sitting around chatting. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. No, that was I terrible. know. I genuinely didn't think you were going to say geysers. Really? Yeah. I'm a little slow today. Um,
0: this was uh, a pretty cool article. I thought I I knew a lot about geysers, but I did not know exactly what was going on there. Yeah. In fact, I was wrong on a couple of key points.
1: Oh, really?
0: Yes. Which I will not point out.
1: Oh, come on.
0: I well, I thought they spit out lemonade. <laughs> right? First of all, yeah, uh, and I thought there was a little guy down there doing it.
1: Oh, gotcha, leprechauns. Yeah, yeah, that's what everybody thinks. So I was wrong on both of those points. Do we have a geyser myth sound effect? I don't think so. Oh. Um, does this count as weather? No, this is earth science. Earth Geo- science, biogeochemical processes. Okay,
0: I just know we're trying to beef up our
1: weather. Uh, This is not weather. It's not weather. Although it does begin with weather. Yeah, I mean, sure. When something precipitates, that's weather. Sure. And precipitation precipitates the explosion of a geyser. That's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Chuck. Yes. uh, I have no geyser introduction, man. You can't blame me, though. Like, I looked. Yeah. And there is really not a lot going on on geysers.
0: I thought you might tell the story about the people in 1903 who died. I was going
1: to, but I didn't want to just usurp it. Okay. Okay. But let's do that, though, since you brought it up. Because, I mean, I thought about that, too. I was like, whoa, hang back, Josh, hang back.
0: Well, apparently, geysers can kill you. Um, (laughs) And, you know, when you see something like Old Faithful go off, that's why you're 300 feet away watching it. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be on top of the thing. Right. But apparently, in 1903, in New Zealand, which uh, is lousy with geysers, um, some tourists visiting there got caught in a jet at... uh, Waimangu. Waimangu Valley.
1: Nice. That was good.
0: And uh, it killed all four people and carried them more than a mile away. Yes. That is
1: sad. And after after we explain how geysers work, I think that'll—we well, should mention that again. Because it, once I understood how geysers worked and yeah. then I read that, I was like, those people met a terrible, terrible demise. Sure. Like, they that that was a terrible way to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's tantamount to getting thrown into a volcano or caught in dropping into the cracks of an earthquake. And they're all kind of right. related, as it turns out.
1: Yeah, or being bludgeoned to death,
0: <laughs> which is not related.
1: No, but it's a pretty bad way to go to.
0: To geothermal earth properties.
1: So, um, Chuck, geysers, as I learned um, from reading this article on HowStuffWorks.com, dot com, um, our beloved site, um, are actually kind of fragile, and there's not that many. This this it's article about a says thousand? there's a thousand geysers, yeah. roughly in in the world. And um, I read elsewhere that there's only about 50 geyser fields on the planet, and about two-thirds of those have five or fewer geysers. Wow. Which makes Yellowstone a um, pretty substantial repository of geyser and geyser-related activity. Yeah, totally. Because when you're talking geyser, it, you, you, you don't ever just talk geyser. You're also talking um, fumaroles. hmm You're talking hot springs, mud pots, Mm -hmm. steam vents, and all of them are based around the same thing, which is there's some sort of geothermal activity that's relatively close to the earth's surface. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, And there's three components to a geyser, um, and they are water supply, plumbing system, and heat source.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to argue a fourth later on.
1: Okay. Later, though? I have to wait?
0: Uh, I'm going to call it, uh, we'll just go ahead and say what it is, which is uh, remoteness. All right. And then we'll we'll circle back. It like it's that?
1: detached from its family. <laughs>
0: That's right. It becomes very remote. So uh, a water supply. Let's start there because if you ain't got water, you ain't got no geyser.
1: Yeah. And I saw in this article that um, rivers can often um, form the water supply. I didn't, un- I didn't see that elsewhere. For the most part, from what I, from what I can gather, is that the water supply is um, precipitation, yeah. rain, and snowmelt percolating through the Earth's crust over 500 or 1,000 or so years. Yeah. And then it trickles down to the point where it comes in contact with, like we said, relatively shallow geothermal activity usually very, very young volcan- volcano or volcanic mm-hmm. activity or very, very old, like on in the throes of death volcanic activity. Oh, is that right? Yeah, um, and it can be anything from magma to um, cooled magma, but it's very hot rock, and it's close enough to the surface that it, this water doesn't evaporate. It starts to trickle back up.
0: Yeah, and w- when you say close, three miles down seems like a long way down, but if you're talking the planet Earth... It's nothing. It's pretty close. Yeah. If you're talking magma, it's pretty close. If you're talking tectonic plates, it's pretty close.
1: It's closer than you want it to be, pal. Yeah. All right, so go ahead. No, you go ahead.
0: Okay, number two, the plumbing (laughs) system. Right. Very important. Um, The plumbing system is a series of fissures uh, that run miles beneath the surface. And one important aspect of these fissures is they are basically sealed shut with uh, silica, from rhyolite, it's right. volcanic rock,
1: um, and like these minerals have sealed this rock shut, right? So, it's like really important part of it. That water that's percolating down yeah. when it heats up and starts to travel back up, it takes that silica, that rhyolite with it, yeah. And then it just kind of acts as a sealant along these pipes. Pretty so much. over five hundred thousand years, however long it takes for it to go back up, it's it's sealing it and it's making it watertight.
0: Well, yeah, and I imagine. I didn't read this, but I imagine that this kind of activity happens elsewhere on the planet, but it's not sealed up, so it just disperses.
1: Right. Right? Yeah, because okay. one of the key ingredients of a geyser is pressure, high pressure. That's right. And to get that pressure in these pipes, you have to have rhyolite-coated, sealed pipes. That's right. Okay? So there's the plumbing system.
0: And it can. the plumbing system varies. All geysers are different. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like a huge, long, vertical shaft. Sometimes it bends and turns and winds around.
1: Okay, so this is, this is something that actually differentiates geysers from a hot spring. So a hot spring is just like a, one, like a long vertical shaft coming yeah. from hot water um, up to the top, mm-hmm. but there's no obstruction. What makes a geyser a geyser is the fact that there's an obstruction in the plumbing, right? That's right. With a hot spring, water can just move freely up and down. There's, there's just free exchange. Yeah, and you soak around in it like a big lazy walrus. Yeah, but there's no pressure. With a geyser, there's some sort of obstruction where either, say, the water on its way back up enters this wide pool Mm -hmm. that bottlenecks at the top. So now you have pressure. There's a bunch of different pipes feeding into one pipe, and they all connect to the same place, another bottleneck. Or this this pipe of water is so wide and so deep that the pressure... Um, the water above the water at the bottom yeah. is so tremendous that for all intents and purposes it creates a bottleneck just strictly out of pressure without an actual obstruction.
0: Yeah, just the weight of the water itself is is so great.
1: So we have a water supply and a plumbing um, system that is sealed with rhyolite mm-hmm. which makes it watertight and pressurized That's and right. then some sort of means for pressure to build.
0: Yeah, and uh, I guess we can go ahead and liken it to a pressure cooker now so you understand what we're talking about. If you've ever cooked with a pressure cooker at home or if you've ever eaten at chick-fil-a <laughs> and eaten their delicious pressure fried chicken
1: is that how they do it yeah oh yeah
0: well, the fries are pressure fried god it's so good that's why they're so juicy man um so water is uh, standard water is just going to boil at like 100 degrees celsius
1: standard water it's got standard that water. <laughs> fancy french
0: water <laughs> um if you're if you're cooking with a pressure cooker which means you know the lid is sealed shut mm-hmm. it lets out some steam or else it would explode obviously okay. um, it will actually take a lot more energy to boil and bubble up which means more heat and so you can actually cook in a pressure cooker at like 125 degrees
1: right because which
0: is substantial
1: for with, under that pressure, it it takes a lot more for what it was boiling water, but it's like it, air bubbles forming and rising to the top. Yeah. When the pressure is too great, it can't boil, so the boiling point rises. Right. Well, it boils, but it won't. It can't evaporate. Well, no, it can't. It can't form the bubbles that carry to the top. Right. So it can't actually boil. So it's just sitting there in this high pressure environment at high higher th- than boiling point temperatures, and the same thing's going on in a geyser, right? That's right. You've got the obstruction, you've got this heated water, and you have a tremendous amount of pressure. Because, uh, again, we're talking about miles deep, um, and there's that's quite a bit of pressure at the bottom, the water at the bottom. Oh, yeah. And it's just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Of and the it has course, a lot go. of time. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I guess it depends, but uh, for a geyser to form and start... Mm-hmm. They think the oldest one is between 5,000 and 40,000 years old. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it takes a little while because, you know, the plumbing has to has to seal up and everything. But as that pressure builds and that heat um, increases, you can reach temperatures of like four or 500 degrees Fahrenheit of this water, and it's still not boiling, right? That's right. And then eventually it does boil. It overcomes that pressure threshold.
0: Well, it finds its way through to... to- the escape route, mm-hmm. which is the the top of the surface, and it'll just and that's not the eruption. No. It'll just squirt a little bit of water out
1: it'll go glug.
0: and think, "Wow, that was a big relief!" And such a big relief that uh, the steam all of a sudden expands to fifteen hundred times the volume of the water. It's like if you're ever boiling, uh, you ever steam vegetables in your house. Mm-hmm. The best way to steam vegetables is you don't just set it on a massive boil and cover it up. You get it to that massive boil, and then you turn that heat down low, and all of a sudden that pressure drop creates like massive amounts of steam.
1: Right, and the reason why is because when you increase pressure, you increase the temperature that's the boiling point of water. If suddenly you have that temperature still, but the pressure decreases, yeah. that, that water in this geyser just flash vaporizes. And because there's a lot more volume to an equal amount of water and steam... That steam, like you said, expands to what fifteen hundred times the volume. Yeah, and there's your geyser, pal.
0: Yeah, it's that's all of a sudden all the steam in the water just gets shot out. Uh, depending on what kind of geyser it is, it's going to take different formations and be different heights and last different amounts of time. All right, but um, it'll keep going until it either runs out of water or it cools down enough for it to start all over again. Yeah.
1: 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy.
0: That's right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected.
1: Yeah, and Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And then it just starts all over again, which is how you get something like Old Faithful, right? That's right. Once it once it releases that um that pressure and it shoots out, it's the whole process just begins again. And you have um geysers like Old Faithful that erupt like on a pretty regular schedule. I think it's between like sixty and eighty five minutes or something like that. Well
0: I've got the new schedule. They oh, have okay. a new schedule. Because it's been it's been happening uh with greater with less frequency and greater power in recent years. Huh. I think it's said since two thousand. Okay. Um, and it's a uh, bimodal, they call it bimodal. And if you're going to Old Faithful in Wyoming, okay. um, there are generally two eruption durations now, either a long one, which is over four minutes or a short one, which is about two and a half minutes. And if you have just missed the short one, there'll be about an hour before your next eruption. Okay. If you have just missed the long one, then there's going to be about an hour and a half until the next one.
1: But either way it's it's worth sticking around for, right?
0: Yeah, and it's funny if you go to the page and there's obviously a webcam up where you can see it and stuff, but that's not mm-hmm. as fun. But if you go to the webpage and they ask for tips on, you know, seeing it, they say, Well, if there's a lot of people sitting around on the benches, that means there's one upcoming. Mm-hmm. If there's a bunch of people getting up and leaving, that means it just happened. <laughs> it's like, wow, really?
1: Yeah. That's the best you can do? That sounds like um like hippie park ranger yeah. <laughs> logic. <laughs> exactly. Um, Okay, so, uh, well, I guess we're on to, like, famous geysers, right?
0: Yeah, actually, quickly, I I mentioned, I teased about the fourth um, thing being remoteness. Apparently, in the last 50 years, uh, producing energy with geothermal uh, energy production has increased so much that it's affecting geysers. And so, being remote is now... Believed to be one of the requirements to be a geyser, because geysers are vanishing because of man.
1: Because so, I was trying to figure this out. Maybe you can help me. That's because we dig down to these, this, this, um, these geysers of this geothermal activity, and in doing so, are we creating like a release valve so the pressure can't build as much?
0: I think so. I mean, they're using it to spin turbines to create energy. But I know you can also have like a geothermal system in your backyard, right? Uh, which I don't think uses, I don't think it like creates steam.
1: So I feel like what we're doing then is creating artificial geysers, like creating an artificial pipe to let steam out, which would impact any natural geysers yeah. activity. I it guess That might be what's going on because, like we said, they're very fragile. Yeah. Earthquakes frequently um, cut them off, right? They also bring them back to life too. Yeah, that's true. Like uh, there was one called the Stroker Geyser.
0: Uh, that, that would be S T R O K K U R. Yeah. And that stroker like stroker ace.
1: Right, right. So stroker geyser um, is after the Icelandic, well, stroker is after the Icelandic verb to churn. And actually geyser is after the Icelandic verb um, to gush. Yeah. So this is all very Icelandic in, in origin. But that would be
0: G E Y S I R. Yes. Geyser. Geyser. Okay. That's how I pronounce it.
1: In Icelandic? Sure. I wonder how Bjork pronounces geyser. Have you seen Kristen Wiig's uh, impression of her? Uh-uh. No, it's really great. Um, okay, so the Stroker geyser was actually... Um, it was enacted in 1789 um, because of an earthquake. And then another earthquake hit in 1896, and it became inactive. It went dormant. And the locals said... We gotta get our geyser back, man. It's all blocked up. So they cleared it off, and now it's running again. I bet that was
0: probably dangerous work. Very dangerous you work. Think? Yeah. Um, another way too that humans are impacting is uh, mineral extraction. Apparently, in 2003, mm-hmm. uh, they were extracting minerals in uh, Chile, the second largest geyser field um, in South America, and it killed it basically from extracting gold and stuff. Jeez. Yeah. Because ba- basically, they mess with the plumbing. Yeah. And then you're finished.
1: Because it's like you said, like um, in, in a pressure cooker, it has that little steam valve so it doesn't explode. Right. I, I, the geysers aren't supposed to have that. Right. If they have that, they just don't go off. They're like, well, fine. I'll just let some steam off.
0: <laughs> Blow some steam
1: off. And um, I'm, that does happen naturally. There are steam vents located near geysers. Oh, really? Um, like Yellowstone's like, we have 10,000 um, geothermal. Um what is the word they use? Uh basically different things. We have ten thousand <laughs> geothermal different things. Right. Um but a, the vast majority of those are like steam vents. Oh, they're man made? No. They're they're natural like Oh they're like little steam releases that that come up through fissures
0: oh, okay. in the earth. I thought you meant we put those in to make old faithful like safer or
1: something. No, they happen naturally. Oh, that's good. Um but I think it's the same thing as drilling a hole down to a geothermal um different thing. <laughs> And uh, and tapping it to run a turbine, ah okay, gotcha. At least you didn't say interesting. Interesting, man.
0: This stuff is very interesting. Um, w- Old Faithful is a cone geyser. Now I'm not sure I understand the difference. Is it the is oh, it the yeah? It's a good difference. Is it the outlet? Like the shape of the thing above the earth?
1: Yeah. So with a cone geyser, the rhyolite bubbles up enough over time uh, Okay, that it builds up and it forms a little cone, and gotcha. that's what the geyser shoots out of. And normally with a cone geyser, you have a big stream, going, a jet going right. into the air. Like a fire Hundreds hose. of feet. That one in um, in uh, New Zealand, the Waimangu mm-hmm. geyser, Um that one streamed 1475 feet into the air. And for those of you in New Zealand, that's 450 meters.
0: That's a world record, right? Yeah.
1: 1902? Yeah. 1902, yeah. A year then, before it killed people. Right. And yeah. then it went dormant in 1904 because of a landslide, which makes me think like this thing's coming back. That's it's just got to bubble back up. Kill people gonna,
0: and then shut down right afterward.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really it had a really chaotic Two-year career is like a rock star that overdosed on heroin or something. <laughs> um, but anyway, as I was saying, um, the the cone shoots a jet into the air. The fountain um, it shoots in a much more like chaotic stream, whatever. But it doesn't come up from a cone; it comes up from a pool. Okay. So at the surface, the geyser goes into a pool of water, and then that will erupt out of the water.
0: And that would be uh, the grand geyser. Um, the tall that's the tallest regularly erupting geyser on the planet, and that is also in Yellowstone.
1: Yeah, tallest in that it shoots up in the air.
0: Yeah, 200 feet in crazy, fountain-y, hard-to-predict fashion.
1: Yeah, which is pretty surprising, too, because a cone geyser shoots a jet straight up in the air, and this fountain geyser is still beating the average one.
0: Yeah, could you imagine if it was a cone geyser? It'd be mind-blowing. To the moon. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. mentioned the Stroker Ace geyser, yeah. uh, the Steamboat geyser. I like this guy. Yeah, uh, apparently can shoot water up to 300 feet, but uh, don't bother stopping by because it hasn't happened for 50 years, or uh, it can go 50 years between. Yeah,
1: it's finicky. Yeah, um, there's also the geyser, which is the OG geyser, uh, because that's where the word came from. It's a geyser in Iceland. It was discovered in um. 1294. So it's the oldest known geyser on the planet, but they took some samples of the silica that forms the cone of the castle geyser in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. That's the one they think is 5,000 to 40,000 years old. Uh. Apparently silica dating can use some work. <laughs>
0: uh, I did see one interesting little, and it wasn't a joke, it was almost like you could hear science guys laughing about it though. you, Geysers are always called geysers even if they quit erupting oh gotcha but that ceased to make ceases to be a, a geyser at that point, but once you have erupted, you are always called a geyser
1: the the cone formerly known as geyser yeah that's what I would call it hmm. shameful <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time, it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at OrlandoForBusiness.com. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
0: That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. That's right, there's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!
1: Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Uh let's see. Do you know that whole story about Prince doing that
0: about changing his name? Yeah. No, I never knew the story behind
1: it. So, so he was locked in a contract with Sony that he oh, didn't yeah. like and Sony basically said you can't release an album as Prince. Yes. And but also that it had something to do with him acting basically crazy. Like he acted crazy on purpose to get out of his contract because there was some sort of clause where like if he was if he went nuts or whatever it, it would void his contract. So he did that and he had that font released. And I remember he released it to the media. Like um his little symbol? Yes. Yeah. As to as like a font add on so you could just print the symbol when you were writing about him. Oh really? And his contract with Sony was either voided or they gave it up or whatever. But he was basically like, I'll show you crazy if I need to get out of this contract.
0: <laughs> Boy, one of the best concerts I've ever seen.
1: Oh, yeah, I'll bet. Easy. And I'll I don't
0: bet. even think I put it in my top five when we had that listener mail that time, but I probably forgot. It's probably in my top five.
1: I would like to see Prince sometime. Man, he brings it. He, um, he bought you me a bottle of water at um, a Miles Davis show at the Cotton Club really wow her friends came up to see the Lemonheads, and she's like yeah i'll go with you and then found out that miles davis was playing it's like i'm gonna go over here so that's she such went a by great 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 water a, a bottle of water evan dando miles davis <laughs> exactly let me think about that <laughs> yeah sorry ed <laughs> um so that's uh that's prince oh yeah <laughs> and geysers <laughs> oh yeah geysers too um if you want to learn more about geysers you can type that word g-e-y-s-e-r-s that's the english spelling uh, we didn't do it Icelandically, no. um, but you type that in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com and it will bring up this fine, fine article. And I said, search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which means it's time for listener mail. All
0: right, Josh, I'm going to call this, uh, given a, a local Brooklynite a plug for his uh, election, but that's not how it started. Oh, okay. That was kind of a complicated title. Yeah. Um, Guys, I just listened to your podcast, How Labor Unions Work, and I want to thank you for trying to give a very balanced uh, story to what is a very complicated and contentious subject. As a former New York City union organizer, so this guy was the real deal. Uh, I am very familiar with the arguments against unions, but I truly believe American workers and the American economy are better off with unions than without. Uh, When unions are strong, (laughs)
1: typical union (laughs) organizers.
0: When unions are strong, there is some counterpoint to this uh, total acceptance of rampant greed that was essentially the cause of the financial meltdown of 2008. At this point, with unions at their weakest in a half century, we average Americans are being held hostage by corporations. This is what he says. Right. Um, I have to say, in my line of work, violence was not the norm, but intimidation by the employer was constant. Uh, They did everything from threatening workers with being fired, lying to them and telling them they did not have uh, collective bargaining rights, uh, to telling them the union would only steal... Their dues and not get them a good contract. That's a
1: deceptive HR person right there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Or they would tell workers um, they would work out individual deals with them if they would vote against the union. Like trying to break. Yeah, that's pretty pretty hairy. Uh, Even once when we were organizing at a Catholic hospital, they told the workers they were going against God if they tried to organize.
1: Yeah. Can you see like those priests like? Union breaking <laughs> yeah. and cracking heads with metal batons. Uh,
0: the only problem I had with your podcast was the uh, lack of coverage you gave to the triangle shirtwaist fire. We mentioned that. He said it could have been uh, more. He well, said it they, was.
1: It could deserve its own podcast. Well, that's true. We mentioned it.
0: He said it was uh, one of the deadliest industrial accidents in the United States history. Uh, last year, hundreds of people came out to commemorate the 100 year anniversary yeah, I remember. of the lives uh, lost due to locked stairwells and exits. Uh, That fire was a major turning point in labor conditions in New York City and around the world, as well as bringing light to women's uh, terrible working conditions. And I wrote him back, and it turns out uh, Aday, E-D-E is his name, Fox, is running for Brooklyn City Council. Crazy. I said, you know what, dude? We'll plug your campaign. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, www.edefox.com, adayfox.com. And good luck in your bid for city council in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, if you wear um, sunglasses with neon arms on them and yeah. you're into like your pro-union, I would say go vote for this I guy. think
0: we can help garner you a little bit of the hipster vote. Maybe. Uh, since we are both aging hipsters.
1: I am not a hipster. You are now. Dude, I am not a <laughs> hipster. And I, I may be aging, but I'm not a hipster. Well, you
0: look a lot more like a hipster than you used to.
1: Well, if you, uh, I guess, if you have a political campaign you're running, um, we want to hear about it. We heard from another guy, um, in uh, was it in Maryland, a state legislator. He's a he's a legislator from Maryland, who was writing about human trafficking. That guy, shout out to that guy as well. Yeah. Um, But if you are a politician that listens to stuff, you should know. We want to hear your viewpoints. Let us know what you got to say. How we're helping you. How we can help more. That kind of thing. You know. Sure. Um, you can tweet to us just please don't send us a picture of your junk like other politicians um, to SYSK podcast you can join us on facebook.com/stuffyoushouldknow and you can send us an email to, to stuffpodcast@housestuffworks.com Stuff you
0: should know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals,